Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parson and Ron Kolick, and our special guest, Stephen Scott. So, uh, oh, I didn't introduce anybody today. No. Anyways, no. I'm Ron Kolick, and with me, my <laughs> co-host across the sea is Stephen Parsons. Good evening. Yeah, there you go. And also with us is Stephen Scott. You with us as well? Yeah, good evening. Ooh, that didn't sound good. Ooh. Anyways, uh, so here's the deal. It's The show is called Ghost Chronicles Revisited. And basically, it's it's. I'm not trying to trash the show because it's one of my favorite. What, Ghost Chronicles Chronicle. Revisited? Is it really? Is that what I said? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most haunted revisited. I miss. I need some more drink here. Give me some. Hang on. Anyways, uh, yeah. So the idea is not to trash the show, but to uh, look at some of the things that were said on the show. And, and as Steve and I both know, that even our own views have changed over the years. And, and the first shows we're looking at are the first season, which were done many years ago. So, um, you know, I'm. Theories change, uh, ideas change, and and so forth. Uh, so, anyways, but before I start, I wanted to. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but on my Facebook page, I posted a picture that I stole from Andrew Taylor of a screenshot of uh, Mr. Parsons on on uh, Most Haunted. And uh, yeah, I didn't even recognize you, Steve. Uh, I was considerably uh, thinner and younger then. You're a lean, you're a lean, mean fighting machine now compared no, to that. No, yeah, I was. Uh, I, I can't remember. How many pounds in a stone? Somebody. I was about 140 pound heavier. Oh, were you? Yeah, I was. It was interesting. The the one thing I did notice on uh, was your title. You were a paranormal investigator. Yeah. What else? Hmm. Well, that's where I was. What, what, that's why I am. What else could I call myself? Parapsychologist. Well, you call yourself or... a parapsychologist. But I don't call myself a parapsychologist. Uh-huh. All right, so let's I? get right in. Let's get right into it. Stephen Scott, you're still with us, right? We haven't bored you to death. No, no, I'm still here. Okay, uh, so I'm going to start it off with a given. The first, the episode I watched was one of the first ones, if not the first one. It was Chillingham Castle. Uh, Chillingham Castle was originally built in the 12th century as a monastery. It turned into a royal castle over the centuries and held strategically important position in medieval times. Grandeur additions were eventually made to the estate, such as a banquet hall and a library. During World War II, the castle was commandeered as a barracks, but the estate was eventually purchased by a baronet who set to work restoring the fortress to its formula Opulence. I love that word, opulence. Bringing the castle to the state it remains in today. The park surrounding the castle is notably the home to a herd of about 90 wild cows. 
that have lived on the land since medieval times. That's, I mean, that's amazing in itself since our country. That's a hell of an age for a cow. I know. We, we haven't been around that long as a country. Remarkably, a small group of the animals has managed to thrive despite centuries of inbreeding. Uh, even today, the wild herd remains untouched, and according to Chillingham's website, it continues to grow. Cow aside, according to the current marketers behind the castle, the real drawer is the ghost. The castle claims to be the most haunted castle in the United Kingdom. It is said to be haunted by a former torturer who still lives in the torture chamber. I don't know how he lives if he's former. Uh, a lady in white. A blue boy that floats above the bed in the pink room. Uh, so that is the story on Chillingham. Where, where is Chillingham uh, Castle? Anyone? Well, Anyone? Geographically, it's nearer Steve than Steve. Steve? Yeah, it's Perhaps. in Northumberland somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's up on the east coast by Lindisfarne and um, Bamburgh. Mm. Have you ever been near either one of these? Oh, yeah. No. I haven't. I don't think I have. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go right to it. So this they Didn't did describe this... it as opulent, though. Well, that's not my words. Well, that's by a... American standards, yeah, it probably is. Yeah, for anything is opulent, right? Because <laughs> we 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 live with moonshine up in the hills. So anyway. So one of the first things the the parapsychologist on the show was uh, Jason Koppel, and the uh, spiritual media medium was uh, Derek Akura. Can we uh, um, can we come in here? But no. Uh, so you well, have to I wait just want to correct an important point. No, you'll you'll uh, you'll get that in a second because that's my first question. So one of the course first questions Yvette asked Kyle was, "What is a parapsychologist?" And he answered, "Someone who studies unusual phenomena, and uh, that uh, yeah, unusual phenomena that science has not yet explained yet." So now you can come in. I was waiting for the question. That was a question. Oh, you got to uh, comment on what they say. It's not a question oh, of what. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Well, first of all, let's make it absolutely clear that Jason Carl is a television actor. Um, he does have an interest in the paranormal, but he has no professional qualifications. He has, uh, uh, in fact, he hasn't been active in the field for a great number of years. At the time that he was invited onto the program. Um, which was the first series. Um, his role was as the paranormal investigator. He entitled himself parapsychologist, which is a, as we've as we've learned down the years, a fairly meaningless title. Uh, his description of someone who, um, what was it again? Just give me it word for word. Uh, by the way, these are not verbatim because I had a copy oh, right. well, of the TV as I listened. Just, Basically, it's someone who st st studies unusual phenomena such as ghosts, ESP, uh, witches, mediums, all that crap. I mean, excuse yeah, me, did uh, I say that? Well, that's a paranormal investigator, isn't it? That's pretty much because yeah. Because parapsychologists tend to, um, in the main, um, examine those faculties of man that relate to psi. Um, so ESP, telekinesis, uh, clairvoyance, clairaudience. Parapsychologists very, very, very rarely investigate spontaneous cases, um, those cases which pertain to physical phenomena uh, outside of the laboratory and, um, and ghosts and hauntings. 
Okay. So, so I'm going to go to, all right, so that's that's pretty much on that. I don't want to dwell too much on some, especially these easy ones. Uh, Stephen Scott, anything you want to add on that? Uh, no, nothing at all. I agree with Steve completely. Uh, parapsychologists usually study what would be classed as psychological phenomena that are usually placed around people. So do you, do you think, Stephen Scott, that if somebody calls himself a parapsychologist, it, it makes them more prestigious? Do I think that? Yes. I, I think to the uneducated or the people who don't know what it is, it would make them sound more appealing uh, as a legitimate investigator. But in order to do that, you would technically have to have studied some form of parapsychology, some form of parascience. So, sorry, I'll not use the word parascience. I'll use no, the word parapsychology good, as a science. Legitimate, it's a perfectly legitimate use of the word there. Is, I read a great book about it as well, uh, once yeah. called that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, if used incorrectly, it can make you sound like something you're not, basically. Okay. So, and uh, Derek Akura is, is, is called in this series a spiritualist medium. Now, you're a speech, spiritualist medium as well, aren't you, Stephen Scott? Yes. Okay. Do you... Now, what is the definition of a, a spiritualist medium for those who well, are looking for definitions? From my perspective, a spiritualist medium is someone who, working within the environment of a spiritualist organization, uh, and I, I would classify that as a, a genuine or recognized spiritualist organization across the world, who works as a medium delivering messages from a platform or stage to a congregation or gathering of people as part of a spiritualist uh, church service. That, okay. to me, is a spiritualist medium. So, so Stephen, do, do you know, Stephen uh, Parson, do you, wait a minute, I'm going to call Stephen Scott Stephen and, and Steve Scott, I mean, Stephen Parson Steve, all right, does that work? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I don't, I'm going to go nuts before it's all over so steve do you know i know you're a good friend of derek's uh, bless his soul but uh was he a member of an organized church um i believe that he did in his earlier days um do platform readings within the spiritualist network mm -hmm. um however latterly um from before his time appearing on most haunted um he he tended to um, do paid readings for larger gatherings uh, in cinemas, theatres, and such like, and also um, private one-to-one -one readings as well. Okay. So um, one of the questions asked uh, by to Jason Cowell was, as a parapsychologist, do you believe in ghosts? His answer was, once again, this is always paraphrased, I believe that we can experience things that yet, not, that yet cannot be explained by science. Well, so. well, I don't. Um, I don't agree with what he said. Um, because, because it's a question, that actually, it, it's an irrelevant question. It's a question I get often asked. Do I believe in ghosts? Um, well, the answer is I certainly absolutely believe that people see ghosts. Um, I don't believe that that's then uh, particularly un or necessarily unexplainable or beyond okay. the realms of science to explain. Okay. But Stephen then, Scott, you know, Jason Carl was a television actor. Yeah. Well, let's not dwell on that. Stephen Scott, do you uh, anything you want to add to that? 
Uh, do you believe no, in ghosts? No, actually, uh, I'd, again, I'd, I would kind of agree with mostly what Steve has said, is that, that a lot of and individuals, when you ask that, that, you know, do you believe in ghosts? Those types of experiences are very individual and are variable uh, in terms of whether it's been a psychological phenomena or a spiritual phenomena that they've witnessed. And very often, you know, a lot of people won't, actually be able to recognise the difference between those two. And f perhaps there is no difference between those two. Um, so it's, a, you know, do you believe in ghosts is a very kind of, uh, it's kind of a leading question as well. It should only be answered with a yes or no <laughs> answer, but uh, rather yeah. than a definition answer. Okay. So uh, he was asked about, he had some of his equipment there and, and stuff, and one thing that he talked about was uh, EMF, <laughs> like, what electromagnetic fields uh and he said uh, uh fluctuations in emf are associated with paranormal phenomena everything around us everything around us has a magnetic field that we can measure with our meters so those are two statements that i grabbed Stephen uh scott uh steven parsons one I'll, I'll do them in reverse order yes absolutely everything every um well almost every think has an elect a surrounding electromagnetic field um which is measurable um what was uh, just, just give me the first part once again just so I don't uh, of course i just moved from that spot you clunk ahead we'll stay on it then next time now it's well let me go and do anything oh here it is all right so uh fluctuations in emf have been associated with paranormal phenomena um, can I give a one-word soundbite answer to that? Yes, you can. Bollocks. Okay. So I'm going to mention something here. It's, uh, and I, I believe there is an association between some certain types of uh, paranormal activity and EMF. Um, I may be Prove wrong. It. Demonstrate it. Give me one example. Give me an example. One for example. My own, from my own experience, I, I, I believe there is. For instance, what I can tell that when uh, Maureen trans channels, for instance, uh, there, there are fluctuations in the field, <coughs> measurable, you know, extremely measurable EMF fluctuations. So it has something to, to do with, in my mind, uh, with her trans channeling. Now, I'm not saying it's a, a ghost. I'm not saying everything. I'm just saying there is connection there, and I'm not... Sure, what that connection is at okay. this time, Steve? Can I can I just take this question a little further? Yeah, yeah. Ron, can you um, can you be certain that you had eliminated all of the possible electromagnetic fields that were present at the location? For example, were you? Or one simple question: Were you measuring, in addition to the amplitude, i.e., the signal strength? I understand what you're saying. Were you measuring the frequency? No. In that case, your 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 assumption but is so deeply being, flawed. Being, is so deeply flawed. That being said, you know we did do baselines of the place where we did it, and I also know it direct. Uh, let me finish. And the uh, the uh, when she does this transhealing as well, there is definitely a it. it I mean, I know what you're trying to say, that, yes, you could be picking up radio waves from, like, you know, cabs or whatever else, but which is true. But if it's consistent and constant, 
then it's a little bit more difficult to just dismiss it as as uh, waves from other sources. So no, anyway, it's not. And, let and, me, and, let me, and, but you had an extra bit. Now let, allow me. I'm going to give you an extract from. We have a, one the, way to go. I know. I'm going to give you a short extract from the new guidance notes for from the SPR, which are in right. in, in in writing at the moment, dealing with this exact topic that many radio transmissions are detectable and measurable at considerable distances from the source, which totally may be understand. hundreds of miles or more distant from the investigation site. Totally understand. Other, other, in addition to all of the usual ones, like the electricity supply, blah, 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 other commonly encountered sources of measurable electromagnetic fields are the metal framework and structure of buildings, metal water pipes, and even large trees, all of which connect as antennae with secondary uh, radiating secondary electromagnetic fields. Mm-hmm. There is a... Co- Tell me something that, I don't know. Well, hang on, let's look at physics then. It is um, virtually impossible for a... It is ve- it's rarely the case that an investigator who is properly equipped with a frequency and amplitude measuring EMF meter would find it impossible to determine both the cause and the source of any detected electromagnetic field. The, the, the reason you were seeing a field that you couldn't explain is you weren't looking hard enough. Well, I disagree with that. Uh, only to the point where when even the spirit leaves, the EMF drops. So I will yeah. stick with my... No, you pull- you can't. Wait a I just wait a minute. I just right. answered you, and okay. that's it. No, you can't. Not, it's not an okay. argument, Steve. It's over and done with. All right, Stephen okay. Scott. Your next question. Uh, Derek is a man who uh, speaks to the dead. Is that what a spiritual medium does? Do they speak to the dead? Well, strictly speaking, y- y- yes. <laughs> uh, it's it, the concept of dead is a. Uh, a very kind of fluid dynamic here because uh, as a spiritualist we never truly die within ourselves the physical body fails eventually is left behind but the the consciousness that forms part of the spirit itself is still going on in an existence uh, within the realms to where it goes uh, and I'll, I'll leave that very much firmly in the hands of religion at that point because it's uh, so technically Speaking to the dead is a very simple way to put it because when we do that, that would then assume that um, you only ever communicate with something that is, as we know it, in a human sense, technically dead. When working as a spiritualist, or sorry, working as a medium, the, the connection you make is actually much more than that. It goes beyond just what you can consider you know, the, the the end of life type thing, it actually goes to, you know, connecting with spirit, connecting with that essence of love and energy within the universe as well. So it's it's more than just speaking with the dead. That's a very kind of blanket thing. Uh, but mm-hmm. technically, yes, but there's a, a lot more to it than that from okay. my perspective. Stephen Parson, I'm sorry I cut you off, but it's not supposed to be a debate. It's just supposed to be people's... Uh, answers to, I mean, two of the particular statements that were made in there. So uh, it's uh, we can well, debate. Well, I am answering a particular statement that was made, one that was scientifically no, no, so on implausible. Show. Oh, right. okay. Well, on you made show. it on the show. No, no, on their show. We're not <laughs> talking about my own personal theory things. We can discuss that on another show. That's not a thing. We're talking about most haunted right now, Steve. 
Cool, then. Uh, so moving right along, this is back for you, Stephen Parsons. Laser thermometer measures the temperature between the hard surface the laser points to and the thermometer. Between? Between. No, it measures the surface that the laser alights upon. It can only no, measure... It can only measure a, uh, a surface temperature. It cannot measure. Uh, it is incapable of measuring the temperature of a gas. Okay. So, for instance, I know there is one scene in, in the uh, the show where uh, uh, Yvette feels extremely cold, and uh, Jason Carl takes out his little laser pointer thermometer and, and points it over to her, and he gets nothing. Uh, so. Why don't you comment on that? Because I know you know a lot about the 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 feel, the sense of being freezing, the sense of being cold. Well, this is entirely it, almost invariant. I mean, there are. Let me let me. I want to say right at the start, temperature anomalies linked to paranormal experiences is possibly the only area where hard evidence actually exists. There are a handful of very well documented. Uh, temperature uh, observations that are co um, coincidental or um, coaxial with uh, a person having an anomalous or paranormal experience. So it is very much an area which investigators should be looking at. Way more productive, in my opinion, um, than, for example, EVP or EMF. Um, using any form of non-contact thermometer... So that would also that so that would be the laser pointer types and also the thermal images, is um, for measuring a gas worthless because it simply can't see it. It is invisible. Um, a laser thermometer and a, uh, an infrared uh, thermal imager both work by detecting the infrared thermal emissions that all objects above absolute zero um, radiate. That's called thermal energy. Um, it's just in the infrared. It's at the top end of the infrared spectrum. Uh, gas can't. However, there is one type of specially designed thermal imager called the gas find, um, which is horrendously expensive, but was developed for the petrochemical industry to look for very cold gas plumes from escaping LPG. Mm -hmm. So, Stephen uh, Scott, let me ask you, when you channel, uh, do you ever feel a coldness at all? There, is a, there can be an energetic shift that the medium will pick up on. And, but I've, I've never experienced, for example, spirit drawing the energy from the room to manifest themselves in that way. And, however, what I have experienced myself is myself feeling colder as perhaps uh, something that they want me to experience. You, you know, something that, that could be a part of a memory or part of a message or to design the response in me that helps get a, a part of the message across. So, uh, for example, someone who had poor blood circulation could, with cold hands, I would feel the hands cold. But that doesn't mean that the area temperature around about me is going cold. It just means that spiritually, mentally, I am feeling cold and very often there can be a drop in my temperature but as i say sometimes that's just my body reacting to what i'm feeling on an etheric level if that makes sense but i've never felt the room temperature drop during 
settings and uh, I'll not use the term seances, but circles where we work in circle. Invariably, you sometimes get the temperature to drop. But what we have to remember when we do that is we're sitting for over an hour, stationary, in a room. Most likely the heating's gone off. It does get colder. And it's in a circle, it's one of the first things that people will feel is coldness round about their legs. When really, the, the, the 99 times out of 100, it's just the room cooling. So the, we've always got to be aware of these kind of physical factors as well as the spiritual factors when we're working with mediumship and when we're trying to receive messages. It's important that a good medium can understand the difference and recognize the difference between the two. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, okay, moving on. They asked uh, Jason about uh, people ex do, if they expect to have experiences at the castle tonight. And uh, his answer was, people will be experiencing something at the castle because they expect to experience uh, something at the castle because of the castle's reputation. Uh, Stephen Parsons? Um, I agree. Up to up, except for the last line, um, people will experience events at the castle because they expect to, because they're there looking for ghosts. Okay, but they're also aware that ghosts are there. Yeah, according yeah. To I mean, the thing. so yeah, that's so what he's saying. I, so like I said, I paraphrase, so it's yeah. It's they're so front-loaded with uh, mm -hmm. expectation and suggestion that. Uh, rather like a public ghost hunt, there's almost an inevitability. Plus, anything that does happen, um, you know, it, it's always the ghost on those programs because that's what the program's for. That's true. That's true. It's always the ghost's fault. But, uh, yeah. Uh, S Stephen Scott, uh, any comment on that as far as, uh, you know, like, for instance, when you do your, your gallery readings, do people experience things because they're expecting to experience things? You, you know, you're a, you're a medium, you're going to bring messages, so they, they expect to get messages. Oh, the message hogger. Yes, yes. The, that one individual. I can take tries, that. I can take yeah, that. I could take anything. You know, I could take that. Uh, yeah, it's it, no matter what you say, uh, and you could stand there and make stuff up, and they would still take the message. Uh, not that I've ever done that, but um, it, actually, it brings on an interesting point. It's when people expect to have a message, it goes slightly beyond that. Some people really need to have a message, and some people need that comfort of feeling as though there's that they are receiving a message to the point where they try and hog it. And what happens then is that, again, a properly trained medium needs to be able to recognise this, recognise that the energetic link is not going to go to the right person, and then calmly and carefully and with compassion find a way to direct them away from it. And look, perhaps this is not for you. It doesn't feel right to me. So we need to look at where this is actually supposed to go. But thank you for, you know, volunteering your information there. You know. Okay, we're coming up to the break now, so we're going to uh, have to take the break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick and our special guest, Stephen Scott, as we revisit uh, Chillingham Castle uh, on Most Haunted. And uh, we're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover. We'll be right back after the following messages.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Two of Ghost Chronicles International with your main host, New England's own Van Helsing, the backup stand-in host, Steve Parsons, That's not and true. our very special My guest tonight, and our very special guest tonight, spiritualist medium, Stephen Scott. Love the beard, by the way, Steve. Oh, thank you. I just had it trimmed. Really? Did you get the weed whacker out? I beg your pardon? Not in public. <laughs> okay, so we're we're looking at uh, uh, Chillingham Castle episode on uh, Most Haunted and some of the things that were said on the show. And we're kind of uh, looking at uh, our own view of what they said and what we we believe. So, anyways, uh, this is a, an interesting. Can't we, point. can't we just spend the next half hour just dissing the show? No, I don't want to diss oh. the show. Anyways, this is a, 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 an interesting one. Gossip I, from, from I'll show. start off with uh, Mr. Parson. We can we can give you gossip time at the end of the show. <laughs> ghosts, the ghosts prefer the dark. That was Derek saying that. Well, I'm not. A, I've never spoken to a ghost, so I he he claims to have done. So I I have to defer to his greater uh, knowledge of um, what they prefer. Ah, interesting. But you, you do, for instance, Steve, you, you've told me before, for instance, like in the red light sands that, that ghosts have, have said their wishes at, at times, right? Well, we, we again, we, we, I, I can only repeat what the ghosts have said through the, uh, the medium of a medium. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I've never, ha- I've never had any first-hand contact with a ghost who has um, given me, you know, sort of stated any preference or desire for any colour light. However, it is generally accepted and repeated that um, seances are conducted in red light because it is conducive to spiritual energy. Okay. So, Stephen Scott, what's your thoughts on that? I, again, as uh, as a as a medium, I've never ever communicated with a ghost. Oh, that's it. Keep... that's the point, is too. Yes, I you know, and I should have brought this up at the beginning of the show. You you, you really don't believe that 
mediums belong in haunted houses going around looking for ghosts or trying to communicate Not that they don't belong there. I don't see the point because mediums are going to be talking to spirit and invariably the spirit that is most likely to come through strongest at that point is going to be on behalf of someone who's there. Uh, I've never found in my years of doing this a spirit that is trapped, locked, stuck, whatever, to the point where it would become the traditional ghost. I have walked into locations and felt things and heard things and sometimes seen things that feels like a photographic image or a, a video clip, you know, or a gif mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that, that, that's maybe locked in place, like walking through someone's bad juju or something. But it uh, doesn't matter how long it's been there. But I've, I've never, it's never been something that I could communicate with in the term of a ghost. Uh, for me as a spiritual medium, I communicate with spirit. And that's, no pun intended, the medium that I like to work within. And that's where my preference seems to lie. So perhaps my own psychological skew prevents me from talking to ghosts that are actually there. Maybe I just blank them out. Uh, you know, who knows? But uh, certainly from my perspective, um, there's a difference between energetic replay and an actual spiritual contact that you can communicate with. Okay, so let me go on to the next one, and Steve Parson will have some stuff on this too, is that uh, Derek tries to explain why we see ghosts. And he says, uh, spirits can come, uh, spirits can, can, without coming into our atmosphere, can project their thoughts to manifest themselves as they were in a particular space that meant something to them. So... In uh, other words, he, say, he believes that spirit, through thought projection from wherever they are, project their image into the space that uh, meant something to them, and, and as seen as they were at that time. And indeed they might, and there is nothing I can do to uh, contradict that, that point of view. I could, I could also not contradict um, a view if Derek had said, actually, spirits use uh, video projectors, uh, which they carry <laughs> underneath their shrouds and uh, powered by small um, batteries, or they steal the power from your battery to power it. And, oh, yeah, they project, sense, wouldn't it? and they project, you know, images from their favourite movies. You know, I cannot prove or disprove anything that a medium says, um, a mental medium says. Um, um, uh, materialistic mediums, materialising mediums, those that, that claim to produce supports or play musical instruments, or they they are more testable, um, but... Um, but no, with uh, trance mediums, with um, uh, your conventional modern medium, who they can say whatever they want. But they... people see ghosts, right? They believe they see ghosts, right? Uh, well, pe- people believe that they see ghosts. People so believe that they see, exp- you know. This is his explanation of, of that, I, I would. Uh, well, in that case, Jesus can also do it because people believe that they see Jesus. People believe that they cat. see Bigfoot. People believe that they see big cats. People believe that they see the Loch Ness okay. Monster. All right. Sometimes I believe I see you, but I'm still not sure. Anyways, Stephen Scott, what's your thoughts on that? Well, it's it's technically possible that an, a spirit could project its thoughts into another person. 
so that they could perceive something. Uh, but that is not a what we would classify, I think, as Steve said, it's not a physical manifestation. What they are oh, seeing no, we're talking is, about physical manifestation. They're actually seeing a ghost. No, but not, that, that doesn't mean it's manifested. If, 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 if you read the quote again, what he says is they project their thoughts into another person. So they're not actually that's manifesting. Not that's not what it says. All right, can you say it again, Ron? Sorry, I possibly right. misheard you. First of all, you've you got to realize that I have paraphrased this, so God forbid. And he's an American. Yeah, and so spirits can, without coming into our atmosphere, project their thoughts to manifest themselves as they were in that particular space that meant something to them. Yeah, so without coming into an atmosphere, they're not taking physical form. They're projecting their thoughts into the minds of someone else so they would see them with their mind's eye that projects itself onto reality for them. They're not actually manifesting themselves okay, at that point. At. Okay, so that's, all right. But, uh, all right, I, I assumed it was the projection of a spirit, but, I mean, of a physical form, but... Ah, uh, right, right. Well, the way I take that one, Ron, is that it's spirit are going... They're using their energy, connecting with you on an etheric level, projecting their image in front of your eyes or in your mind so that you can perceive what they looked like. And that's you know, basically what happens when you're doing when you're working with spirit and you're actually doing a reading for someone. What Derek actually says is 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 really quite um, indicative of this this type of program because what they're saying is so really quite vague and can, as we've just done, um, be interpreted in any number of ways depending on the the, um, mm -hmm. the viewer's own yeah. beliefs and um, ideas. What I actually take from it, Steve, is that what he's saying there is spirit will put their thoughts into the minds of the perceiver so you're not going to see it on camera. Well, I agree with you. I, I would have taken it that way, that what we're dealing with here is the old, old good old-fashioned, as it used to be called, thought transference. Yes. Yeah, I was just going to see how is and, that and, different from, and, like, and astral that, projection? Well, well what, what Derek seems to be referring to is what would be called... Um, uh, a hallucination. Whoa! I didn't. No, that's not what he he has. Well, no... he, I mean, yeah, he, he is because thought transference. When you implant a vision into somebody's um, brain, consciousness, or mind's eye, um, you know, the, the proper term for it is a hallucination. Right. But not the. It's it's not as in a mental aberration. I, see, I, I disagree with both of you. I don't believe it's a, a tra thought transfer into someone's mind. I believe it's a. What he's talking about is an actual transfer, a thought, thought transfer of the spirit to manifest a physical form in our in our reality. That's no. What Derek's actually saying is no. You I mean, can't tell quite, me what Derek is actually. It seems saying. to be quite clear because he actually uses the word thought transference. He doesn't say thought transfer. Derek he does. Scott. No, he doesn't. Read can Derek project again. their thoughts to manifest themselves. That's thought transference. Okay. Fine. In all fairness, he also says that they do do not enter our atmosphere at that point, which to me right. would mean that they're not physically going to enter the atmosphere. They're right. They don't. They project their thoughts into the atmosphere, pretty much like we have a body of someone who's astral projection. They don't leave their bed physically, but spiritually or, or whatever, psychically, they project themselves somewhere else. Well, that thought transference. That's interesting because... Energy cannot change form necessarily like that. You know, heat radiation can't become cold radiation by projecting itself to a different location. So for me personally, thought 
projection. Mental. We don't know what thought is, though. Right. Well, a, a spiritual connection where one is projecting their their impulses onto another location will have to remain in that that energetic form. It can't suddenly become a physical form without requiring a physical manifestation, something to manifest it with, which would require a more physical medium to then assist in that process, from my personal experience. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Well, right. energy can be transmuted between... Um, right. Into matter. We know it can go from, for instance, gas mm -hmm. to solid to a uh, liquid to a... Solid. No, I mean, a pure energetic state can... I mean, energy equals MC squared. Mm, yeah, true. All right. Now, this is... We're talking about thought transference, though. So, uh, he says, Derek, Derek says that sometimes when you uh, walk into an, in an atmosphere, it affects you emotionally. Uh, and sometimes you... Uh, uh, let me see. See, I paraphrase these, so it's, it's a little difficult. Uh, sometimes it affects you emotionally. And he also talks about uh, being drawn to uh, the spirit actually drawing him from, to a different location. Once he walks into this particular atmosphere, he's immediately drawn to somewhere else. Now, Stephen Scott, does that make sense at all? Yes, it does. Uh, particularly, particularly the emotional contact connection. Uh, the, the kind of raw emotions are very often some of the first sensations that we feel uh, as mediums. Uh, we're not communicating on a, a physical intellectual level to start with. Uh, everything's much more base and simple. And emotions are one of the most kind of purest forms of communication. We do that as human beings. We, we can pick up other people's emotions just by being there, whether or not we willfully react to them or we perhaps suppress our ability to to comprehend that as you know an, on an individual basis but for the same reasons you can walk into a place and it just doesn't feel right or you walk out of a, a location and it doesn't have to be haunted it could just be in your hometown and you suddenly think you know something doesn't feel right tonight it feels like something's going to kick off and you get those kind of sensations that's that same type of energetic feel just within your general environment uh, and to be led in one direction or another spirit can very easily do that just by giving you a little tilt in one direction or another usually for if they're there to try and help or to guide or to assist you in some way. If, uh, you know, particularly someone very close to your family member, someone you had a close connection with, it's very easy for them to just give you a little tilt in one direction or another sometimes. Steve, uh, Scott, uh, Parson? I can't disagree with that. I mean, okay. you know, walk, into, walk into a church, feel the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it, you know, you could say, oh, well, that's, that's, you just, you know... Just how it is, you know. You um, everybody else around you is quiet, and so you you sort of follow suit. Now, you take a small child into a, a church, and they suddenly also fall silent. They 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 behave yeah. differently. Not all of them, unfortunately. Well, the, the, uh, the vast majority of them. Um, so you know, I, I you can walk into a room and immediately, you know, if there's a group of people in there, sense an argument has taken place or an an atmosphere between two people um, who may not like one another or who may like one another. You know, uh, there are many an affair that has been busted between two lovers because they, you know, somebody has just sensed that they're up to something. Is there any scientific evidence that, that exists that... 
there is there is a lot of evidence that we um, that we give off or we give away much about ourselves, uh, but buildings don't tend to. Um, so, yeah, I, I I I think it's entirely plausible, and uh, not just plausible. I think it's a distinct likelihood. Okay. All right, so uh, this one you're going to love, Steve. Uh, so vets, uh, in part of the results of the show, they, they talk about the light anomalies they've seen. And the quote is, uh, independent engineers verifies that these are not dust or refracted light. How does that sound to you? Um, well, I could say it in one word. I'm not going to. Um <laughs> The makers of the cameras that were used on the program, uh, yeah. the video cameras, uh, right. actually produced. Seen the lighter yeah. not on video yeah. camera because they were done with the Sony video camera. Um, the makers of that particular, in fact, the exact model that they were using in the instruction manual, it actually describes the phenomena and its cause, and mm. um, that it is an entirely normal effect of the camera. Now, if you're making a television program and sod all else has happened, um, you know, apart from a few bleary white blobs drifting aimlessly around in the picture, um, well, you know, it's got to, you've got to have some results to justify, you know, series two. Stephen, Stephen Scott is. What what are your thoughts on knobs? I, I, you know, I mean, some some mediums, some spiritualists believe that they are. The uh, you know the beginning of a manifestation or or even spirit energy. I mean, what's your thought on it? Well, I personally, it's it's difficult for me to to pin this. I I think that orbs are fragments, dust, particles, whatever. You, you know, camera lens malfunction, glare. Uh, however, what I can't prove and. What I can't prove is that the particles themselves are being manipulated by an external force. It's distinctly possible. It's not probable, but it's possible. Did I get that the correct way around? I can always get those two mixed up. Uh, so it's it's per perhaps you see an image on a lens because someone wants you to see that image on that lens. You know, if we're talking about spirit uh, in the terms of entities that are capable of manipulating matter, it would be very easy for them to place a particular piece of dust, a particular piece of time to get a particular reaction that you see something in it. And the rest of that comes down to what is effectively pareidolia on the participant that, uh, sorry, the participant that they can then see what they want to see within that. Now, I can't prove that. I can't disprove that. I have no evidence of that. And I've never had a message to say uh, see those photographs you're taking, we've been moving dust about so that you see images. But I do know that I would never try and dispute this because a lot of people have a great deal of investment in this as well. And if they believe that a dot they see on a camera is their gran or their mum and it gives them some sense of comfort, I, I would never try and take that away from them as such, and uh, I know Steve wouldn't either. So it's, uh, it's not about disproving it, it's about allowing people 
to, for me, it's about allowing people to take what they want from it, but to try and keep them in a sense of reality. Because what happens when those orbs stop appearing, when cameras get improved or they clean the house or they take the fan <laughs> off the camera and something like that, you, you know, it's then a case of, I used to get photographs with my gran in it all the time. Here's one here and it's a dot. And I'm like, you know, I like her hat. Um, <laughs> that's all you could say. So uh, it's it's where they go from there. And as a medium, that's one of the things that I try to help people with as well, is protecting them from their own perception of what they think they're seeing at times. You know, when people ask me often, they say, uh, you know, what do you think about OBS? And my standard answer is I hate them. Because uh, I know there is a natural explanation from, but when I have somebody that brings, shows me a picture and there's a, a, an orb on the, the kid's shoulder and he said, see, that's his, my grandfather. And this is maybe even person that I know. And who am I to say to them, well, okay, if that's what you believe it is, it isn't. I mean, uh, I know that it's, but I, all I just say, well, that's interesting, but that's you know, it's their own belief. You know, people's look into. Uh, well, Steve can discuss paranoia if he wants, but don't we see different things, uh, Steve? Or, or, or uh, even the Rosh, Russia? I can never say that word. Russia ink test. Don't we see different things as well? How it's depending how we interpret them, Steve. The process. Well, it, well, interestingly, most people see. Um, there are very few reports of faces or or, or things in orbs themselves. Because the orb is, a, you know, a class apart. Uh, almost, I mean, in the very early days, um, there were more faces that that were reported in orbs. But now, mm. as uh, as the orb has become a widespread worldwide phenomena, um, it itself <laughs> it itself has become the phenomena, um, not something within it. Um, so it's actually the existence of the blob of uh, the, the the little uh, sort of circle of light within the picture that is the anomaly, uh, not that it represents anything you know it, within it. I think I think um, those early explanations. I mean, I remember one when, when we did the orb research. Um, I remember publishing the the results, and uh, I got one email back saying that it was fantastic, and these and this person you know thoroughly. Um, concurs with what with what we'd said um however if you look at the orb in picture five i'm sure i can see a face <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I, uh, or as most paranormal investigators say on facebook i know that 99.9 percent .9 of orbs are just particles yada 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 but take a look at this one <laughs> yeah and the, of course the one percent that they refer to is only the you know the ones that the they one have yeah. yeah exactly yeah. anyway uh so here's one that I find intriguing. Uh, and that always worries me when you find things intriguing. I know, but this is said by the owner of the house. He says, animals can see things that humans can't and even that? sense things. Well, they can. Yeah. I mean, if you've got to, you've got to, we've all got cats. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Cats see things in quite a different way. I mean, my, my 10-year-old was telling me today, he, he Googled how cats see the world. And he said, he came up and said, they only see the world in black and white and they don't have um, cones. They can only see movement. And they are very perceptive to movement. Um, so, yeah, of course, they can see things very differently. Look at an eagle. It can fly, you know, hundreds of feet up and see a mouse. I couldn't see a mouse you know, at the end of our garden. <laughs> so, you know, it, yes, animals 
are not humans and they perceive the world as they need to in order to survive, which is very different than the way we perceive the world. Mm -hmm. And Stephen, uh, Scott, uh, do you believe that animals have uh, a little bit more than that? Do they have uh, psychic ability, I guess, or, or be able to sense spirit? Uh, well, that's quite a jump from what was actually stated in the programme, I think. Because hey, uh, hey, 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 I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> because I think what you said to Steve was is that animals see the world differently, which is absolutely correct. Right. Uh, do they see spirit? Are they more attuned to it? Well, it's uh, most animals have a very highly attuned and you know much more primeval sensory systems than we do. They're much more aware of changes in their environment. And if, for example, we're talking about changes in temperature that we as human beings can't feel, it's entirely possible a cat, a dog, or whatever would be able to feel that. So if a spirit... If, if, if spirit were coming into the environment around someone, perhaps to give them comfort, it's entirely possible that an animal could perceive that first if there was a slight shift in either temperature or, um, you know, I'll not use the EMF, but the kind of, the, the kind of magnetic fluctuations in and around a human body as another spirit came into close contact with that in a spiritual sense. Um, can they see spirits? Uh, animals have... I believe, been known to act strange in reportedly haunted locations. Um, but we also have to remember that people in reportedly haunted locations also act out of character, which can at times send your animals out of sync ever so slightly. So if you start acting strange, your animal starts acting strange. And they pick up on lots of same information about ourselves that we don't even realise. You know, we just have to look at when your dog you know, cuddles up to you for reasons that you don't even know about because it just feels you're out of sorts. So it's, uh, do animals sense the world differently? Yes. Can they perceive spirit? It's entirely possible through spirit's manifestation and connection to ourselves. It's entirely mm. possible. Okay. The, uh, you know, uh, you talk about like, uh, you know, haunted locations, but, you know, I, I've studied cases where uh, animals act strangely in, normal houses until they realize there there are things going on and then they they connect it to uh for instance an animal not going into a particular room in a house no matter what uh and that type of thing and then, then of course is the other ones where you have animals that look at nothing but we have to be beware they also have excellent hearing too and sometimes creatures in the wall can cause that little phenomena so, moving right along, uh, I think I have one more that I wanted to, to – oh, and this goes back to something we talked about earlier about the church, uh, Steve Farsons, I think, to talk about that. The, the owner of Chillingham Castle says that the chapel uh, doesn't have any ghosts. He says it, it seems to be that they leave that place around. It seems to be a place of, of uh, rest and uh, uh, peace. Uh, can a location be that way? Uh, and I'll throw it out of anybody who wants it. Well, he um, he could equally have said that the bathroom isn't haunted. <laughs> uh, you know, and there are lots of examples where churches and chapels do have a ghost. Um, yes, I know that. You know, the fact that nobody's reported something doesn't mean that you know. He, he could have said anything, the attic, the bathroom, the, you know, right. the front porch. It's meaningless. 
Steve, do you think religious places have uh, no spirits that are, are the spirits don't manifest? Yeah. Well, no, I, I think that, again, it just depends on the situation. I think it's very convenient that the only place that doesn't have anything is the chapel, which would imply that they feel safer there themselves. Therefore, they, they, they feel as though they're protected by their own religion in that location. So nothing bad or odd could happen to them. You, you, that's not uncommon. Um, to be honest, a lot of people usually have a sanctuary in their home that is a place where they can feel safe, even in yeah, the bathroom. most reportedly haunted Actually, if I remember right, bathroom hauntings are actually quite prolific. They are. Very they prolific. Are. Yeah, a lot of people die on a toilet, by the way. Yeah. At least yeah. in the good oh, place shit. if you get a really bad fight. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we do have to go. Uh... Before we go, can I make a request? Yes, please. Can we repeat this uh, this the show format next time? Can we, can we be a little bit more, um, like, Let's discuss the show. We can discuss. Well, uh, it, the purpose was not to discuss the show, but no. Let's some, discuss it, the show, and then we can discuss other shows too. Uh, I'm not sure. I, did I want to get into a trashing of, of shows? But we'll I discuss know. it anyway, Sophia. Yeah. All right, we've got to wrap it up. So we want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in. If, tell us what you think of the show and, and what you, you believe. Uh, email me at anyghostproject.com or message us on our Facebook page, Ghost Chronicles International. Uh, Steve, uh, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, tune in next time when we'll have something else. Good night. Good night. Good night. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.